0: Listening to Victory, and Labang podcast, we hope this message encourages and inspires you today. All right. Can we give a lot a hand for that? So Un Atsim. That's good morning in Korea also. Thank all right. Good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing this morning? Hope you are doing well. For those of you joining us online, thank you for attending the church. Uh, and uh, this is now like a hybrid thing. People are going back to the worship services and still some are joining us online. My name is Pastor Ayl. For those of you who have not met me, and I do hope that we can uh, meet, uh, you know, with a feast bump or something uh, later on. But uh, today we're having a series break. And uh, but yesterday we uh, it was interesting because we had a um, sort of like a leaders convergence It's a discipleship convergence 2022. How many of you were here yesterday? You joined Okay, we give the Lord a hand for all our leaders, our interns? Um, we entitled it Greater Works. Uh, this was packed with leaders, uh, this uh, this place. And so we had a time of worship. We had a time of uh, prayer. We also have Pastor Steve and Pastor Gilbert Foliente, both uh, presidents of our Every Nation Global and Every Nation Philippines, uh, ministered the word for all of us. And uh, so it was a time also of just gathering together first time in two years, uh, seeing each other face to face. And I believe that God is uh, continuing to open doors for us. You know, the the theme of the uh, conference was greater works. Everybody say greater works. It's not us doing the greater works, but God empowering uh, us through the Holy Spirit and that we, as working together, relational discipleship, we can do greater works together. Look at the person beside you and tell that person, greater works. Greater works, yes. And so um, that was the highlight yesterday. And so it was just um, you know, very encouraging and uh, we want to thank every uh, leader and uh, intern for continuing the work of discipleship. Okay, that's who we are. And you always probably hear uh, as a church, we honor God and we, what? Make disciples, okay, because it's a call of God for all of us. Today, it's a series break. And uh, last week, we uh, heard Pastor Saul finish our series on Tayo or Tayo, okay? How many of you have heard, uh, have learned something from that series from the book of Haggai, okay? Four uh, weeks, four prophetic words from the book of Haggai, and how we can actually come together as a people of God in nation building. And today, we're kind of like continuing in that thread. Though this is a series break. And, um, you know, we were praying what to preach about, you know, as a, pastoral team here in Victory Alabang, you know, what is an apt topic for us to, uh, to talk about? And I believe that this is probably going to be a very controversial topic. Maybe some of you are guessing already what the topic will be. Today, we're going to be talking about Elections. Now, before you step out of this room and leave, let me just qualify, okay? It's gonna be good. Look at the person beside you, it's gonna be good. We're gonna come out here united and not fighting. We're not gonna that's the reason why I'm wearing black today, which I always do. I'm not gonna wear any other colour, but you know, we're gonna talk about election. It's about thirty-six days before election day. How many of you are registered voters? Please raise your hand. You're registered voter. Oh, wow. There's a lot of us. How many of you will be voting for the very first time? You are a millennial or as Gen Z or, yeah. First time. Wow. Can we give the Lord a hand for, for these young people? Don't waste your vote, okay? <laughs> you know, the campaign is in full swing, Right? And we have seen uh, the national election uh, launch about a couple of months ago, and then the local elections come, uh, you know, launch about a couple of weeks ago, maybe last week, uh, April 1, I no, last week. Uh, and, um, you know, it's, it's uh, an interesting time for the Philippines. We see a lot of different colors. I see your face mask is colored as well. <laughs> <laughs> different candidates. Different political parties. Mainit ang labanan. You know. It's a battle of colors. It's a battle of hand signs. Di mo alam kung ganon kaba Ganon, 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 ganon. Iba sa inyo, na lang yun. Different surveys are coming out. How many of you are excited to hear the word of the Lord this morning? And we're going to talk about the elephant in the room. We're going to talk about this topic and we're going to just talk about it head on. I've prayed and I'm asking the Lord for God's grace and God's anointing and God's wisdom on how to be able to unfold and preach this Message in a way that is not divisive, but it's uniting. As I said earlier, there are so many surveys that came out. In fact, even 7-Eleven joined the survey, Seven Election, and what they did was they launched a Seven Election Cup campaign, trying to determine the most popular among candidates. Hashtag Speak Cup. Walang basagan drink. <laughs> and somehow, you know, what they're doing is, they're saying, it's not an official survey. It's just for fun. If you go to 7-Eleven, you can actually go and choose. There's only five candidates, by the way, that they've chosen to be part of this survey. And so, what they're doing is, they're kind of tallying daily the number of cups that are being sold What's interesting is the undecided cup is number three. And it could swing either way. And there are about 43.3 million registered voters that we have in the Philippines today. Half, half, almost close to 50% male population and 50% female population and Again, our nation is at the crux of a transition in leadership and maybe some of us have already made up our minds in who we are voting for, right? Look at the person beside you and try to guess. The way he smiles, the way he raises his or her eyebrows, gives you a clue on a picture. Sino ba yung nitong taong to? Some of us may still be deciding until today. And if you go to 7-Eleven, you're going to buy the Grey Cup. And many of us are asking the church, what is victory stand with regards to the election? How many of you would like to find out? Puna mo na ako. ako dito. Ano? Kidding. Today I want to make clear what our stand is. For those of you who are watching, don't tune out. Okay? Don't change the channel. Stay here. This is Victory Stand with regards to our election. Victory is not endorsing any candidate for the 2022 election. Amen. And you may agree or may disagree on the stand of victory. In fact, victory has a no endorsement policy for the longest time. And we've been apolitical in the way we treated our, you know, our electoral campaigns for many, many years. This policy, though, is only applicable to our pastors and ministers. Now, you as a member, we're not forbidding you to express your right to vote and go and if you want to campaign, we're not prohibiting you from doing that. This policy is not covering everybody in the church, but as a leadership team, the entire movement of victory, the pastors, we don't have one particular candidate that we're pushing so that we can move towards unity Unity, ha, unity team. <laughs> unity. And we encourage everybody to participate in the electoral process by praying, by preaching the gospel and making disciples, by participating, and also in the area of protest, which we'll be talking about in the next series. In fact, we have launched our new podcast by our Every Nation President uh, of the Philippines, Pastor Gilbert Foliente, uh, named Leading Together Podcast. And in series number five, uh, you can actually go and download it on your iPhone or Samsung or whatever tablet you have and listen in to this, uh, to this podcast. And so it will make clear why we're doing what we're doing. Why do we not endorse any candidate? And th- so, just to give you a background, when we, when we were a, uh, a young church back in the day, mostly students, I got saved in, uh, in campus as a sophomore student. And I remember walking down the streets of the university belt and we were praying and asking the Lord, not only for the nations, but for the nation, the nation of the Philippines, and that one day that we will be seeing influential people, you know, coming to the church, and that we're discipling the shapers of our society. We're praying that one day, back in the day of 1980s, that we will be seeing senators and congressmen and mayors and different uh, cabinet members and politicians walk in the church doors and instead of raising up their political callers, they would just be raising up one banner, which is the banner of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And how many of you know that right now, to this day, we have been seeing many, many different politicians coming and getting saved and getting discipled but the thing is, they come from different political parties. They come from different colors. They come from different influences. They come from different platforms and programs of government. Nothing wrong. How many of you know that each program of government, tama, because of different priorities and fiscal policies. But yet we will never allow this unity to come because the moment that you highlight one candidate over the other, can you imagine if it's if it, one service, two candidates come, and you endorse one and not the other. How do you, how do you, uh, what will you feel if you are the other candidate or you are supporting that candidate? It will actually cause division in the church. So rather than pushing or endorsing a certain candidate, we'd rather preach the gospel, disciple them, and see the effect and the impact of the gospel of Jesus in our nation. Amen. And that's the way to do it. And that's the role of the church. That's the role of the pastors. We're not experts in politics. We're not experts in social media as well. But we have been given a stewardship to preach the gospel and to make disciples. Because we value unity in the church. We'd rather us come together and worship the Lord under one banner instead of different colors. Amen. And we will not allow politics to divide the beautiful relationships that God has given to each and every one of us. Elections will come and go. May 9 will, always, will be done in a month's time. But how many of you know that the Church of Christ is here to stay and remain. Amen. Come on now. You are much valuable to be offended and to be entrapped because of words spoken and be canceled because of the candidate that you're supporting. And I encourage and I entreat you, church, Let's not do that. Let's preserve the unity. Let's move and do God's agenda instead of our own agenda. And today we're going to be talking about how to choose the right leader. I'm not going to dodge on that. I'm praying that God will equip us how to choose the right leader. Lord, sino ba talaga yung para sa bansa namin? Sino ba talaga yung para sa suserd namin? Sino ba yung para sa mga sa senado at chaka sa mga uh, sa, sa kongreso? Sino ba yung dapat And God has given us guidelines and principles that if we follow, will help us make the right choice. Now my question is, and for all of us, maybe you're asking the question. But Pastor, how do we find out and how do we know that we're all being the same? You may not be having the same candidate but you have been given the freedom of choice and the right to vote and choose according to your own conviction. We're not going to control anyone because how many of you know that God even does not control us? We have been given free will and we will not control anyone here to vote this or to vote that or to do this or to do that or to go to this rally, to go to that rally. Do what you feel that God is calling you to do but also make sure that unity is kept as we do what we're supposed to do. So we're going to be looking at a story in the Old Testament on how leaders were selected as the nation of Israel was being established. Early on in the book of Exodus, we will see that God has given Moses a strategy or a system so that he can actually form a basic government That time, so I'd like to invite everybody to uh, open up your Bibles to Exodus, Exodus chapter 18. Okay, Exodus chapter 18, and stand uh, with us. Let's all stand together as we read the Word of God, Exodus chapter 18, and we will be reading from verses 20, uh, 13 to 23. Exodus chapter 18. 13 to 23. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all he was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening. And Moses said to his father-in-law, the name of the father-in-law is Jethro by the way, because the people come to me to inquire of God when they have a dispute. They come to me and I decide between one person and another. And I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. You and the people will with you will certainly wear yourselves out for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. Now how many of you have father in laws like that? You have, uh, you know, uh, anyway. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God and you shall warn them about the statutes and the law and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for, and they are the qualifications of the men that we are looking for. Look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe. And place men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves, so that it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you, and you will be able to endure... Let's read the last line altogether. And all these people also will go to their place in peace. Let's bow our heads and pray. This is the word of the Lord. Father, thank you so much for our time together. Lord, I ask that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know how we are to act and move in this critical time in our nation. God, also pray that you would allow us to have hearts that are humble and open to change, and to, Lord, do our best to preserve the unity that you have in this body. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. Now, we have read Exodus 18, right? Exodus 18 comes before Exodus 19. Not a trick question, okay? Because in Exodus 19, God asked Moses to go to the mountain so that he can give the Ten Commandments to Moses, Mount Sinai. He's asking Moses to go up to Mount Sinai because I'm going to give you the law and the constitution of Israel. And in Exodus chapter 20, we will see the fine print and the detail of the Ten Commandments. How many of you are familiar with the Ten Commandments? Please raise your hand. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you for a test, okay? What is the fifth commandment? I'm not going to ask you that today. But somehow, we, we actually see that God sent Jethro to Moses. Because Jethro was the priest of Midian, and he was not even an Israelite. You got to know the background to appreciate the story. Moses married one of the daughters of Jethro named Zipporah. Not the lighter, okay? But Zipporah. And, you know, we we would see that Moses was in the wilderness because he ran away from Egypt. Remember that time when he was running away from Egypt? Running away from Pharaoh? He was in Egypt for 40 years. And then he spent 40 years in Midian. And God called him back to Egypt, so that he can bring the people out in the promised land. And so we would see Jethro now talking to Moses, and somehow Jethro, uh, you know, suggested a basic structure of government, which will guide them um, for the future. They were about maybe two months into the wilderness when Jethro came in. And what's interesting about this story is that if you would read the entire chapter of Exodus 18, some of the versions mentions uh, father-in-law 12 times. There's almost like an emphasis on the word father-in-law. And I don't know if you have a good experience with your father-in-law. I have a good experience with my father-in-law. I love. And I remember, you know, when I was courting my wife and my dad was with me, we were finally asking the hand of Shirley. What we did was a very simple act. We brought a bucket of KFC. And offered it like a dowry <laughs> to my future father-in-law. And we were like singles. And I saw the smile of dad when I was asking for the hand of my future bride at that time, 1989. And so you and I may have different experiences of father-in-law, but I think that this, the reason why the author, Moses himself, as the author of Exodus, he was emphasizing maybe the relationship that he has, the intimacy and the closeness and the respect. Because, you know, can you imagine, Moses is the leader, not the leader of the band, the leader of the land, The leader of the land, about one to two million people coming out of Egypt. And he's leading them through the desert into the promised land. You can imagine the pressure that is on Moses. A new leader. He's not even the president. He is the judge that is leading this charge over the nation of Israel. And, And how many of you have had an experience that you feel like it's way above your head. You know, you probably can relate with Moses, you know, maybe God has given you a new responsibility, a new role, or a new promotion, and you feel like, Lord, this is too heavy for me to carry. How many of you can relate to me on that? Can you please raise your hand? You know, God has promoted you, and God has given you a new responsibility, and you're saying, God, help me. It's just just too heavy. And Moses was feeling that. You know, when I became the senior pastor of Victory Alabang, 20 years ago, how in, in 2002, I felt the same burden. I had no experience in becoming a senior pastor. And I, I said, Lord, help me. And basically, what God told Moses through Jethro is also what God has told me. And, you know, we will find different applications of this in our different leadership programs. Uh, Uh, structures. It's not only for nation building, but this can actually be found even in organizations, even in the marketplace, in your families, in your home, in church. The same qualification of leaders also we want to highlight because God wants people who are what? Fearing God, they're capable men, they're trustworthy, and they hate the love of money. And so, he challenged Moses one time and he was seeing, you know, because the people are surrounding Moses. They're standing and he's sitting down. And Jethro said to Moses, you know what? You'll get tired. You will wear yourself out together with the people. And I believe that you can all agree that leadership can be exhausting many times. It can be exhausting. That's why we need to empower leaders. We need to delegate and we need to make sure that the next generation is also being equipped to do that. And the text is ap- applicable to elections, choosing a candidate, and also applied to different areas of leadership, as I said earlier. You know, you may be a new manager in your uh, in, in your office, and I believe that your task is not just to do all the, the responsibilities alone by yourself, but to delegate, right? Um, you know, in church, when, you know, All the things that we're doing here, I'm not just, I'm not doing, can you imagine if I'm the one preaching, and I'm the one leading the worship, and I'm the one doing the ushering, and I'm the one doing the books, and I'm the one counting the offering after, you know, how many of you know that you will have no Pastor Ariel anymore in two months? We need to delegate, we need to, you know, unload, we need to empower people. That is so true in every area of society, whether it's in the corporate world, and even at home. How many of you are married here? Please raise your hand. You're married and you're happy. Yeah, pagkakataon nyo na, okay? Yay, okay? You know, a husband and wife, they share responsibilities in the home, right? You don't just lower it over each other. There's like delegation of authority. Like, for example, me and Shirley, for the past, wow, 32 years, of being married, we, I said, you know, basta pag, if it's a major decision, I'll do it. If it's a minor decision, you do it. So far, in the past 32 years, there's no major decision. It's all minor decision. So, wala pa ako nagagawang major decision in the past <laughs> 32 years. And I want to talk about today, very quickly, Principles of Choosing. In choosing a leader. Number one, wise and humble leaders listen to the advice of others. And I believe that if you are someone who's ready to vote, and maybe you've fixed your mind about someone, it's also okay to talk about it and discuss, not fight about it, but maybe listen to advice. Good leaders are those that listen to the advice of others. They capitalize on counselors and the wisdom that is surrounding them. In fact, we see this in Moses. When the father-in-law came to him, he said, What you are doing is not good. You and the people will, with you would certainly wear yourself out. For the thing is too heavy for you. You're not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice and I will give you advice and God be with you. A good leader shows respect. To others. And so this is somehow what Jethro was telling Moses, the job description. Here's what you are to do. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them also about the statutes and the law and make them know the way. So somehow Jethro was helping clarify the vision statement of Moses. Can you imagine that? You know, somebody from Median was taking, you know, uh, was helping Moses clarify, what are you supposed to do? You're not to get all the responsibilities, but there's a certain role that you do, and for the rest, you delegate. And so, God chose Moses as a leader of God's people. He was not elected, by the way. How many of you know that it was God who chose Moses? He was not elected by the people. And I believe that ultimately... In any nation, God is the one who chooses our leader. You may exercise your right to vote, but how many of you know that God is so involved in the election process that even in that detail, He moves. He raises nations and kings, and He also deposes them, according to Daniel. He is so much involved in the life and the purposes of our nation, our beloved Philippines. Amen. Come on now. And I believe that, come on, give the Lord a praise for that. And I believe that if we have that as one of our understanding, we will not be scared about the future. So Moses, the role of Moses, he was clarifying that you are supposed to be a priest. A priest is the one that represents the people before the Lord. That's a priest. That's a priestly thing. Represent the people before God, bring their cases unto Him, and then He's also a prophet. A prophet is the one who warns them, okay, about the statutes and about the law and to teach them the way that they should be walking into. So Moses was a priest. He's also a prophet, but he's not a king. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14, it says, for lack, of, for lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through what? Many advisors. And the word guidance here comes from the term applied to like steering a ship. You know, when you're guiding someone, it's like steering a, a boat, a ship. Now, I believe that in nation building, this is also required. And, you know, we need one another. We need many advisors, whether in putting up a nation, putting up a company, putting up a church, you know, you know, we need one another. The Old Testament kings surrounded themselves with counselors, especially if they're going to war. Be open to advice. Secondly, second principle in choosing leaders, we are to choose our leaders wisely. So if you are to vote this May 9, make sure that you vote For this candidate, wisely. Vote wisely. Okay. Don't ever think that you will abstain. No, do your do your part. And I believe that God will give us wisdom on how to choose the right leader. And so this is a summary of the qualifications of the leader that Jethro was telling Moses, who will help you judge. And these leaders are the ones who will judge the cases. So when it's a small case, let them decide on their own. For the difficult cases, let them bring it up to you. Okay? So what are the qualifications? Moreover, look for able men from all the people. If We're going to apply this today. Make sure if you're going to choose that person, okay, he has to be a citizen of the country. Okay? Of course, that's part of our constitution. Okay. Men who what? Fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe. And then place such men over people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. So this is really setting up a national and almost like a local government until the barangay level. These are the four basic general qualifications of leaders. The summary of the qualifications we're looking for in our leaders are able men, Men who fear God, trustworthy, and they hate bribes. So, it can be summarized in relational terms. Number one question is, what is their relationship to the task or the responsibility at hand that they will be doing? Are they competent, able? Okay, we need to ask ourselves, for the people that were voting, are they capable of handling such a task? Are they able to do this? Are they smart, wise, competent people? Okay. Secondly is what is their relationship with God or godliness? Do they fear God? Do they fear Him or do they love the praise of men? Do they would, would they rather listen to men or would they rather listen to God? Okay. These are the basic qualifications that Moses is hearing from Jethro. What is their relationship towards others or their credibility? Right? Are they trustworthy? Are they deceivers or liars? Are they violent? How do they treat other people? Is their word their bond? When they make a promise, do they fulfill that promise? And we see this as applicable in the government and also in other areas of leadership. Maybe some of you already, Tama yung kandidato ko, pastor. what is their relationship with money or integrity? Do they have a love for money? Do they hate bribes? You know, bribes are immoral because it will affect the judgment of a person in making a decision or a case. Do you know that? And that is so true that whether you are someone who has been caught speeding and a policeman stops you and when you give the driver's license, there's a 500 peso that's attached to the license. That's a bribe it will affect the judgment of the policeman, of the police, traffic enforcer, whether he should give you a ticket or let you go. And bribery is endemic. You know, we see this not only happening in the government official in the highest office, but also among the citizens of the land, right? Right? And I believe that we need to be very careful on how we judge our candidates. Because with the same measure that you use, it will also be used upon you. You know, the job description of this people will be that they will be judging over the people. And Jethro also advised them to look for the, the right on that. But we need to be careful. We need to be careful in choosing our candidates. And we need to be careful in our attitude towards our candidates. Sometimes, you know, maybe many of you have heard already of the cancel culture. And yeah, it's we can tend to be too passionate about a certain candidate or a certain issue that we cancel out the others. You know, I kind of imagine that we're sitting in like a, an American Idol table, and when this candidate would say this, you're out. You know, we're, we're too judgy many times, and we vilify candidates because we think that you don't deserve a chance. Hopefully you're not saying you don't deserve to live. <laughs> but let's Be careful. With the same Jesus said this in in Matthew chapter 6, with the same measure that you use, judge not, or you will be judged. With the same measure that you use, it will be measured unto you as well. And the thing is, we're not just judging candidates, we're also judging our brothers and our sisters who are who have preferences of certain candidates. And you have judged a brother or a sister, and you've said that, wala siyang discernment? wala discernment ng to. Why will you choose that candidate? Bro naman, bro, bro, bro. Let's respect one another. Let's not be vicious. How many of you have a social media account? You have Facebook, IG. How many of you have seen comments of people? Some are supporting a certain candidate and someone will actually come in and attack. Parang nuclear warhead. You're attacking the candidate. You're attacking that person who's your brother. I love you guys. Somebody's going to talk about this. Let's be careful. In our pastors' meeting last Wednesday, as we were preparing and praying for this, we were kind of joking one another because we kind of know some of the candidates of our pastors. (laughs) How many of you have an idea of some of your pastors' preferences? Oh, Pastor, kilala namin. And then Pastor King, before everybody, said, you know, we kind of know the other pastor's preference, but we don't know the preference of Pastor A. Sino bang mo, Pastor A? And I told them, you know what? One time over dinner in the house, my girls, I have a 30-year-old. A 16 year old and a 15 year old. And they were asking us, me and Shirley, Mam Dad, see the bumbleboton, you they're not even aware who we're voting for. And I kind of know who their preference is. Because I'm very careful to divide our family over politics. And I told them, I'm still praying about it, I'm still weighing the different candidates. But I'm telling them, it doesn't matter if maybe some of us might be different in our preferences. Go and exercise the right to vote. And there were times me and Shirley would go to the polling precinct. And we would not tell each other, who's your candidate? Pastor, basta parang sober naman niya tayo na. I'm not saying that you follow our example. This is not a perfect way to do it. Ika nga ni 7 basagan ng drink. Kanya-kanyang trip And there are days and there are elections that we compare. But we don't try to push and condemn and vilify any member of our family for doing such. For the most part, we're united. But maybe there's about an election that maybe we have. I don't know if we have a different candidate or I I forgot. Let's not divide over these issues because family is even more important than politics. You know, in Sweden, they have what they call fika time. Fika is short for coffee. Fika, coffee, they actually interchange the word. Fika. F-I-K-A. And this is actually called coffee break. And it translates to coffee and cake. Swedes have periods of fika during the day as they go to their workplace. And the way they do is the reason why they do this is because they want to refresh their minds and make the most out of their day. Coffee breaks for the Swedish people are for relaxation and socialization. That's the reason why they have a high morale among their working uh, group because not only are they working together in their different computers, but they take the time, maybe 30 minutes a day of Fika time. They go down, they have coffee, okay, and then they eat together for maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and then they talk. Guess what? One of the things that they don't talk about, almost like an unwritten rule, they don't talk about politics because they would rather build relationships together, and not be divided. And then they go back to their workplace, encouraged and refreshed because of the fellowship that they've had with each other. So maybe we can also do that. No, fika time, right? Let's go to 7-Eleven, have coffee there. No, don't go, don't go to the store. to kandidato ko. The truth of the matter is, probably no candidate will be 100% qualified in the criteria that is set by the Scripture. Maybe a candidate would be qualified 80% or 90%, right? Great, and you know, and that's why sometimes you're just choosing the best or maybe the least among the evil. Sinasabi nilang ganon. But we need to study not only the candidate, but study the platform of that candidate. Is that candidate valuing the sanctity of life? Is he upholding the value of family and marriage? You gotta go deeper than just the colors. You gotta go deeper than just what the crowd is shouting and you know ranting you know go for this go deeper find out his fiscal policy what's the priority of government what will how will he use the budget of the national government what's the first priority is it to address the poverty is it to address agriculture is it for national defense is it for foreign policy what be informed Many times you complain a lot about a certain candidate. You know, you're not doing your job. Or, you know, you are corrupt. Or you're doing this. You're in, you know, incompetent. What if, magpalit kayo nung candidate na yun? position. T-tali ka nga One year, you sit in my office. You make all the decision in this office. Tingnan natin. You know how difficult it is to run a nation? I don't want to imagine. That's why, as a church, our attitude should be not just to judge, but to pray. The Apostle Paul says to pray for all those who are in authority so that you may live peaceful and quiet lives in this godless age. Pray, lift them up. Let's be mature Christians. Let's be gracious, not vicious. Look at the person beside you. Tell the person, be gracious, not vicious. Don't cancel out each other because of political differences. Lastly, think long-term. Let's think long-term when it comes to choosing our candidates in the election. Think long-term and not just six years. You know, even as uh, Jethro was talking to Moses, he said this in verse 23. If you do this, God will what? God will direct you and you will be able to endure. And all these people also will go to their place in peace. And that is what we were praying for this land, right? You know, a while ago, we were worshiping the Lord, you you know. We're crying out, Lord, hear from heaven. Hear our cries. Forgive our sins and heal this land. And that's our cry. We're crying out for peace. We're crying out for, you know, restoration of this nation. We're crying out, Lord, pababain mo naman yung gas ng konte. <laughs> Nakakagulat every Tuesday, hoot katas pa babba. Di ko alam <laughs> kung ako ng Monday or hindi But we look to God. Can peace be achieved? I believe it's yes, because you serve the Prince of Peace. When you talk about peace. Peace means nothing missing, nothing broken. And you can actually have the peace in your heart despite what's happening in the world around them. You know, this is my experience growing up. And I've gone through seven presidents. I'm 54 years old. I've gone through seven different presidents. I was a martial law baby. I was born in 1968. 1968. And my conscious years were under curfew. I remember when my dad and my mom would tell me to go home by by, by 6 o'clock because they don't want me out because of curfew. And I have experienced different government transitions, seven government transitions. I was part of the Edsa Revolution in 1986. Now I was there in Edsa. I remember walking in the streets of Edsa. I saw the tanks, Saw the nuns. Saw thousands of people there. Walked in the middle of that and saw the change of government into democracy from a dictatorship. And yet under that leadership, the nation went through a downward spiral in the economy. And I remember as a newly married couple named Shirley... We moved into an apartment, and there would be regular rolling brownouts and power outages under this new leadership called democracy. And then after that leadership, we experienced the leadership of a, the first Protestant president in the country. And then after that, an actor eventually was elected and eventually impeached. And then an economist stayed for about 10 years instead of just six. And then another came, the son of the former president was elected into power. And now we are in this current president. Guess what? Seasons have changed. Government leaders have changed. But we're still here. The church of Jesus is still here, and we're continuing to advance the kingdom of God every single day. Amen. We're still here. Think long term. Politicians will come and they will go, they will sit for a season, for a certain term. But guess what? The kingdom of God has no term. We are serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. He's the one who's seated at the halls of Malakanyang. The reality is, he's ruling and reigning over our nation, whether you know, you're aware of it or not. And the role of our church and us as believers, people of God, is to do this to pray, to disciple. So that one day we will see different leaders in our government that are godly. Yesterday in the conference, Pastor Steve was sharing a story of the discipleship. He was, talk- he was talking about relational discipleship. And that he said that, you know, growing up we have seen different leaders come. And we've these leaders. And he was talking about, this, are, this is a picture of, uh, the one in the red is Uh, Bishop Ferdy. Why are you wearing red, Bishop Ferdy? Anyway, so that was years ago, okay, when he was like young. Before he became a bishop, he was just a pastor. But he was discipling Rico, the one on the left in the stripes. Uh, He is now our senior pastor, brand new church in Panama. And, you know, us as a church in Alabang, we are supporting that church plant in Panama financially. And at the same time, we have sent our very own campus missionary, Carlos Marana, to be part of that church plant. Amen. Come on now. That is an amazing fruit of discipleship. And on the right side of Pastor Ferdy is L.A. Momar, who's also been one of the pastors here in Alabang, and is now also serving as a coach in uh, Ateneo, and is to continue to preach. On his right, is this little brother, Vico. I'm not endorsing, okay, because we are in Lupa, right? I'm making a point. Be kind. Don't be vicious. I'm making a point. That was years ago when Vico was being discipled. He was part of kids' church. He's part of, he grew up in kids' church. He attended the youth. And he was a silent disciple until God called him to politics. And Pastor Steve said this statement yesterday You just don't know the impact of your relationship in preaching the gospel on how it will affect a people, a community, and even an entire nation. Amen. Who knows? One of the future presidents might be sitting in our kids' church today. It's not impossible. (laughs) Mayors, congressmen, senators, they're being trained. They're being discipled. That's why we will continue to do the work of discipleship. We will not divide. Let's do our part as citizens. Let's study the candidates. Let's look to God. My main point as I end, sorry if it's extended. God knows who will lead this country, but God still rules. Amen. God still rules. The reality is Romans chapter 13 verse 1 says, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist, they have been established by God. Hey, but Pastor, but this is a dictator, this is a tyrant, this... they've allowed that person to sit there. He rules, he reigns, he is who he is. We can look to him as our source of hope. Amen. He's not surprised with who will win this May 9. In fact, let me tell you this: there's no power sharing. He is in charge. He's only giving a delegated authority para dito ka lang. Hanggang six years ka lang. If you're not faithful, you're out. A new leader will come because God rules. Amen? Can we give the Lord a hand for that? Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victoryalamang.church.